Overworked, a podcast. Bold storytelling. Balanced lives. Further futures. Hi, everyone. It's Masmi, Challen, Caitlin, and Jill here. And today's episode is one we're super passionate about. We actually got into a big discussion on this, and then we were like, you know what? This would make a really good podcast. Um, so kind of an impromptu one, not as as scripted as our usual ones, but I feel like there's a lot of great discussion around this. So let's talk a little bit about the Billionaires Club, a club we all aspire to join. I know I've been trying to get there with my cryptocurrency thing. <laughs> But um, Forbes has listed 328 women on the world's billionaires list, which is up from just 241 in March 2020. The top of that list is Francoise Betancourt Myers, whose grandfather actually founded L'Oreal. Then we have Alice Walton of Walmart, Mackenzie Scott coming in third. Um, and we know her as Jeff Bezos's ex-wife, um, who owns a 4% share of Amazon. But I feel like you know, beyond a lot of this inherited money, there is now a new crop of women who are really just changing the game and blazing a new path. I'm talking about people like Pyle Kakadia. She just sold her company, ClassPass, for $1 billion. And then there's Whitney Wolf Hurd, who started Bumble and then ended up having a $13 billion evaluation on the stock market. And fun fact about Whitney, is that she went to SMU, which is where I'm from as well. So um, I thought that was just super cool to have, you know, a billionaire from my college. That's really cool. I don't know of any billionaires that came from UIC, actually. Hopefully I'll be one eventually. Let's get this podcast really rolling. How about that? What's really interesting about Payal and Whitney is that they didn't come from family money. They're self-made. They saw challenges that they actually experienced and created companies that solved them. So, I mean, I've used ClassPass. I love ClassPass. I used it when it was really early um, and there were not very many um, studios on it in San Diego, but it was still really great to be able to, you know, go to yoga or do spin and it, like what a solution. And then Bumble, pre-Kevin, pre-marriage, um, I loved Bumble because you're in the driver's seat. The, what an amazing concept from one of the early um, uh, executives at Tender to move on and really show them who's boss by starting a female-focused dating app. Amazing. I love it. But Anyway, I think what's really interesting about all of this is the concept of venture dollars as well. Um, you, I've been following this from PitchBook for some years now. Um, I used to work closely with women tech founders who their mission is actually, you know, get more dollars in the hands of female founders. So um, one of the founders of women tech founders was quoted by PitchBook in one of their recent articles about just how abysmal female investment really is. But venture dollars invested in female-founded companies defined as VC-backed startups with at least one woman co-founder um, dropped 3% in 2020, even as overall deal value increased by 16%. So those numbers just don't really make sense. You're investing less in companies that are more successful. Right. I think what's happening here too is that, and we've talked about this before in our podcast with um, Rachel, is that a lot of the investors right now are still men. Do you think a man really understands Spanx, right? So like a lot of- these <laughs> I mean, 
<laughs> Some but of they, them probably should. <laughs> they do have space for men, actually. <laughs> yeah, they have like built in abs for men. <laughs> <laughs> but I think what's really interesting um, about, you know, uh, Sarah Blakely is the one who started Spanx. So her pile um, at Class Pass and, um, of course, Whitney at Bumble, they saw a need in the market for something that was like female needed, right? Um, Pyle is close to my heart because she is an Indian classical dancer, um, same as, as I am. And she was looking for different dance classes around New York and just couldn't find what she wanted to find. Um, so she was like, how great would it be if I could aggregate them and then you could choose which one to go to, right? Simple enough idea. Same thing, you know, with um, Sarah Blakely, actually, um, I was just watching a video on her where she talked about concepting Spanx and she literally just wanted to hold herself in in her dresses. Right. And she said her first prototypes were like paper clipped and using different pairs of pantyhose and underwear together. And then she would take them to different manufacturers and ask them to help her um, until she finally was like, OK, now I see uh, the prototype I can get made. The other interesting thing about these women is they kind of use themselves as guinea pigs. Like Sarah Blakely tried every one of her Spanx outfits on to prototype it and see how it works. So getting back to your point, Challen, I think, you know, women have like a passion and see like someplace in the market. And historically, I don't know if people know this, but high heels and bras were invented by men. So now women are coming to the game and being like, these shoes are really uncomfortable. And that black back closure clasp on your bra is hard for us to do too, you know, things like that. So I think when it comes to investing money, the cool thing is that if we have more millionaire or billionaire females, they can now invest in the next crop of women that are going to come up. So we're going to start to see more and more products that benefit women. You lead perfectly into my next point, which was in the first three quarters of 2021, which let's put that in context too. coming from 2020, where the world was completely turned on its head to 2021, where people are just starting to feel a little bit more confident, but they're still pretty cautious in 2021. I think next year we'll see an even more of an uptick. But women raised $40.4 billion across 2,661 deals. That completely shattered the previous record of $23.7 billion in 2019. So, and like I said, coming in a year where people were still pretty uncertain. I mean, we still are. It's not even the end of the year yet. Let's be real. Um, so I feel like going into 2022, to your point, Moss, women are just going to bust out of the gates. We're going to have more ideas. I feel like we saw so many different pain points over the past two years in women's focused areas that I'm hopeful that this brings even more ideas from female founders and um, more dollars from female investors and male investors alike. The other thing that um, we see happening a lot is women giving back. And Caitlin, I would love to have your perspective on this. Um, but one of the things that I know we all sent this article back and forth to each other, but um, it was Spanx um, that got their um, sold to their company and she gifted everyone in the company two first class tickets and $10,000 to go wherever they wanted. You don't see that happening a lot with other companies. Um, so kudos to her for recognizing people and um, just realizing it takes a village 
um, you know, to get you to that place. She even said, I just want you to create memories with people that you love. Like what an amazing just mantra for her team. And she, to your point, like she knew it wasn't just her who built it. She obviously put all the hard work in up front. And I, I think if I remember correctly, she had even had like a folding table inside of Nordstrom self-selling her Spanx in order to actually get Nordstrom to pick them up and sell them. Like her story is phenomenal. Um, and to go from that all the way to $10,000 per employee, like that's amazing. Life goals. Am I right? <laughs> So, Moss, I know we have talked about self-made billionaires and millionaires versus people who come from families who are in the media, um, Kardashians, right? Um, I would love to hear your take on um, just the difference in how media portrays men versus women billionaires. For the record, our team is very split on this. Um, Challen and Jill are on team no Kardashian. And I think me and Caitlin are on team. Wow. They're kind of marketing geniuses. <laughs> so not saying you have to like the Kardashians, but my God, the engine that is on that family is incredible. Um, so I would say the friendly argument we got into the other day was is Kylie Jenner self-made? And I know this is a little bit of an old topic, but talking about billionaires just kind of got us going. My thing is, is that yes, like she was part of the family. She's part of the engine. But did she have to come up with a lip line after everyone wondered if her lips were fake or not? No, it was a really smart marketing ploy. Um, I actually bought the product to see if it was any good. I've had better, but... Um, but she marketed it to her base and she did a great job. Right. And that's why now everything she does sells out. And at what, at 19 or 20, she was almost a billionaire. And so, you know, Caitlin, you mentioned how she not only made wealth for her generation, but for the next few generations, right? Because money begets money. And that's something you've said, Shalyn. So my whole thing about the Kardashians is I feel like they always see an opportunity and then they go for it and they do it in a very quick manner. For instance, when Courtney and Megan Fox were, you know, trampezing all around town, um, Kim Kardashian was like, oh, wait, these two are like being photographed everywhere together. Literally two days later, there was a Skims campaign out with the two of them. So, you know, and, and it went viral because anything Megan Fox does right now is going viral. So um, or anything Courtney and Travis are doing, right? So um, I think it's just really, really smart marketing ploys. And um, and Caitlin, I don't want to steal your thunder, but you made a really good point that to them, there's no such thing as bad publicity because it literally just means more selling, right? Yeah, the thing that always impresses me with the Kardashians is that regardless of what the story is, regardless of what the news story is that they're being featured in, they always have a spin. They always bounce back. It doesn't matter what's going down. They managed to convert it into eyes on their, uh, eyes on their show or, uh, like sales in Kylie's lip kits and things like that. I mean, <laughs> uh, Kim's quote of like, not bad for a girl with no talent. I don't support the Kardashians all that much, but yeah. that is a hundred percent true. If you want to talk smack about them, that's fine. But their name is still in your mouth, you know? And two are billionaires, right? Kim is a billionaire and Kylie is a billionaire. Um, 
part of this is also like, I feel like Paris Hilton was the very first one of them who could have gotten to the status. Um, and, you know, I, she did her thing. She DJed, came out with the perfumes, all that kind of stuff. But social media wasn't there as that vehicle to reach a hundred million people. I mean, Kim's following is several countries combined, you know? So, I mean, the reach is phenomenal. So I, I think that it would be such a missed opportunity if they didn't do it. And I was trying to think, Challenge when you challenged me like about men and I was like, well, no one's like mad at Kanye that he's a billionaire. But then you were like, well, is he, you know, I mean, he has talent, he's a rapper, all that stuff, you know, has well, with a bunch of brands. I couldn't I think thought, of like a male equivalent of the, of, yeah, I feel like, okay, let me just defend myself for a minute. Um, okay. I totally agree that the Kardashians are marketing and PR geniuses. Um, and I don't dislike them, but what I don't love is the label of self-made billionaire. If you come from wealth, on the level that they have or okay Kylie was like a tiny little nugget whenever Kim became famous and did an amazing job riding her coattails let's be real she obviously saw opportunity there but I guess my point is more self-made like the women we talked about earlier who were entrepreneurial and solved a problem versus people who have a leg up already because they come from wealth um that's sort of my main point um, and then secondly, I mean, I'm not going to disagree. Those women, and I think Chris is probably, the mom is like a genius. And, you know, maybe it's not great that she's puppeteering all of these things, but she's doing a damn good job. Let's be real. And that family, you're right, has just, they've got their hands in so many different places. I think actually, Moss, you and I had a conversation with our friend, um, we'll call him OP, um, about whether or not Beyonce was more of a um, entrepreneur than Jay-Z. And I, that conversation really got my head going because I was trying to think, like, Beyonce is a powerhouse. She has turned herself into... I mean, I don't think she came from wealth, did she? She kind of, she, she came, just came, obviously Destiny's Child, but she came from a like a nice middle class family in Houston. Um, okay, but one thing I'll challenge you on is she was with Destiny's Child, then she started dating Jay Z, and and you know, I mean, he was the producer behind her first big hits. So I think those two have a true partnership. I don't think it's one more than the other. I think. They both really collaborate. And um, I mean, that world tour they did, I can't remember what it was. I did go see it and it was phenomenal. It was my first time seeing Jay-Z, but the power and charisma that man has, like I got it. And I think that's kind of, I think, you know, all these people are using that star power, that social media influence. And what makes these other women so amazing is that they didn't have any of that, right? So they're like literally boots to the ground, knocking on doors, being like, Hey, give me this money. I have this great idea. How can I convince you? It's an idea that people need. Um, so yeah, no, I, I agree with you. There's, there's a huge difference, but still very interesting. Um, because it's not easy to become a billionaire. If it was, we'd all be doing it. So. 
Well, and I think um, maybe the key takeaway here is just the ability to see um, around corners. Like, I think that is really the superpower of the Kardashians, of Beyonce and Jay-Z, of true entrepreneurs who aren't, aren't just iterating on what's happening right now, but they're thinking about what's coming in the next 18 months instead of the next two months. And I mean, I feel like that's really where um, where you see people going from, you know, having some some good monthly recurring revenue to just outright killing it, IPOing at an amazing rate, all of those types of things. And I know this is really off topic and Moss, you can tell me to rein it in. But how about Mark Zuckerberg's meta? You know, I mean, one thing I will say about every single woman we've talked about is they're great at branding, right? Like you remember Spanx, class pass rolls off your tongue, Bumble, O the B, you know, like everyone remembers these things. But meta is, um, yeah. Did you not realize that when, like, there has been a meme for the past, like, seven years of people jokingly talking about things being meta, (laughs) and now you've named your company meta? And Moss, please take us to the cultural point, please. So I actually read that meta means death in Hebrew. And I was, you know, so clearly someone on their branding team didn't do all their research. Um, but on top of that, one of our uh, dear co-workers who is Jewish told us that Mark Zuckerberg is Jewish. So she's like, I feel like you should have known that. So that is also kind of interesting. Um, so given that, you know, meta is global. <laughs> I think right. Karen, this is really actually interesting about your point of thinking 18 months ahead, because a lot of these women owned or women driven like billionaire businesses are looking 18 months ahead and thinking, what problems can I solve and what uh, value can I deliver? And Facebook's 18 month plan is what can I do to be cool and innovative, regardless of if it's solving a problem, right? Like Mark, Zuckerberg's just trying to one-up himself. He's not actually trying to solve any issues. No, and I mean, there's been so much in the news about the divisiveness um, during the elections and everything at Facebook. And yeah, I mean, I think Facebook started as a tool to connect and it's no longer that, right? It's it's almost like a, it's a propaganda tool really at this point. Um, and thank you, Caitlin, for always writing us in. <laughs> <laughs> it's so- all tied together. Um, I think the second piece of that, Caitlin, to your point is that, you know, Facebook rolled Meta out as a way to save their butts on Facebook. Like Facebook has completely tarnished their brand. And to your point, Moss, you know, they are now kind of synonymous with polarization and teenage um, issues and depression and, you know, a lot of really, really depressing, bad things. And by pulling meta out of the fray, I think Zuckerberg is trying to save their, basically the company, which is interesting that it, it unraveled so quickly. I mean, so quickly in most people's eyes, but, um, I think the other interesting piece of that is when, you know, Google launched Alphabet and kept Google separate. It was kind of this a similar tactic. But I, to your point, Caitlin, they're not thinking about 
making a solution or solving an issue. They're just trying to save their butt, um, which I guess they have to do also. (laughs) Right. And I, I think the press coverage has been so interesting about this too, right? Like you don't hear a lot of good things in the press about Bezos or, or Zuckerberg. Um, but then the women billionaires, like, um, like Whitney who started Bumble, I'm, you know, I'm on a first name basis with her. So she's part of my alma mater. Of course. course, Yeah. (laughs) She, um, worked in orphanages and things like that. Like she's been, um, doing a lot of great things even before. Um, I know Bumble in India, um, has launched and they talk a lot about dating safety and how to safely date as a woman. And um, so that is really taking some social responsibility for all the stuff the app does bring. So Caitlin, I know, you know, you um, and Jill actually brought up a good point about how female billionaires are really making a difference. And I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah. And I think the best example of that is if you compare uh, Mackenzie Scott, who we mentioned at the beginning of this, is Jeffrey Bezos's ex-wife. Um, she owns a four percent stock in um, in Amazon. Still, she retains that post-divorce. Um, and comparing her philanthropy and her efforts to directly to Jeff Bezos's. Um, so, Mackenzie Bezos last year in 2020 uh, gave away nearly $6 billion to women owned and specifically to, uh, black women owned charities across the world, across the U S. Um, some of them were larger that, um, maybe this is just part of their fundraising efforts, but a lot of them were small, um, local charities that, this would be the biggest donation they'd ever had. She actually, she donated to the Young Women's Club of America in Chicago. She sent $9 million over, and that was more than, I think it was like double their budget for the year. So she's she's making an impact. She's giving away vast amounts of wealth in very short amounts of time. And she's also doing it without kind of the hoopla and the the media splash that you usually see when billionaires are giving away money, right? There was no press announcement. There's no interview. There's no um, public thank you from the charities that they're that are receiving that money. There was actually a New York Times article from June that was talking about just like motivations for the way women engage in philanthropy, and it's it talked about how much less ego there is in the donations. It's less status driven, which I thought was really interesting. And it's also when Mackenzie is donating also on a first name basis, when she's making these big donations, a lot of times um, large donations like that come with strings attached, right? So uh, it's, I'll give you X million dollars a year, but I need to see measurable progress in X, Y, and Z uh, KPIs. And she just donated and said, I trust you. I believe that you're going to use this for the mission of your company. Take it. I don't need the proof, which it just gets out of the way of the missions of these charities, right? It lets them focus more on actually doing the work than on proving that they're doing the work. So, so she's, she's given $6 billion in a year. Uh, and meanwhile, we're, we turn towards Jeff Bezos, who goes to space for 10 minutes, goes to almost space for 10 minutes. That flight in itself cost $5.5 billion. I, I have to say this. It was a very phallic shaped rocket too. Like we have to <laughs> like, what the hell? Well, and then he, he tops it off by saying, thanks for using Amazon. Like, 
come on. And it, like <laughs> tool, just like VC entrepreneur. Like if you could summarize all of the bad things about men in that area, come on. For real. He's going to make that money back so quickly. It's, I think he ended up, I looked up how much he had donated in the same amount of time as Mackenzie Scott did in 2020. He donated 1.5 billion in actual funds, which great. That's a very large sum of money until you contextualize it as 0.7% of his wealth, which is just insanity. Absolutely crazy. Um, and the other contrast of that is that he's announcing donations very publicly. He's making sure he's getting the good press for it. He's doing like we were talking about with Facebook, he's doing, um, rehab for his, his image. Right. So it's less motivated by actually wanting to make an impact and more motivated about wanting to feel good about people seeing that you make an impact. So just I don't think it's unpredictable that these things are, these differences are so drastic. And I don't think it's limited just to the Bezos brand, but for, for more of an inspirational take on this, um, I was reading the giving pledge uh, letters that both Sarah Blakely, who's the Spank CEO and Mackenzie Scott wrote. For those who don't know, the giving pledge is a vow by the ultra wealthy across the world to donate half or more of their money in their lifetime. So not uh, in their will, just very intentionally making donations throughout the course of their life to make an impact. And a lot of times people write uh, letters about the causes they're going to support with that pledge and the impacts that they hope to make in their life with their wealth. Um, Both Mackenzie Scott and Sarah Blakely's were really uplifting and inspiring. I'll link them on the blog, but you can also go to the Giving Pledge website where you can read dozens of letters from multi-billionaires who, who want to not be multi-billionaires anymore. So I would highly recommend that. We'll also link to a couple of um, New York Times articles about uh, philanthropy from both Blakely and Scott. So you can keep up with what they're doing and what they're supporting um, both in the news and in our blog post. Thanks, Caitlin. You know, I know we kind of like ranted and raved on this podcast and hopefully our listeners enjoy it. But one thing I do want to say here, and I think it's just to support small business, men or women. So, uh, you know, men, women, minority, whatever you can do, um, let's stop giving all of our dollars to Amazon, right? Um, Go buy the little corner store, buy something from there. Go visit your local um, hardware store and buy something from there. I think it's so important um, to make sure we don't have a monopoly in this space. Um, I think the other thing that I would mention is just, if you have an idea, talk about it to people. You know, you might have like the next billion dollar idea and you don't even know. When you think about Spanx and ClassPass, are they changing the world? No, but they're just something that's that are important. And then they're billionaires are using that money to change the world in some positive aspect, right? But the product itself didn't change the world. So I'm just saying that if you have some inspiration, take it and run with it um, because greatness might be around the corner. I would say too, what's interesting about those two examples are that they're not software based. Like you don't have to be a coder. You don't have to be a tech nerd. You don't have to be a developer. Um, You can just 
see a problem and solve it. Um, and the other shout out I would give is Etsy. Etsy is a great way to support makers and um, small businesses, one and two person companies that are are building cool things um, and also don't rip them off. I've seen some where like you can go on Etsy and see something that's a pretty simple design and remake it yourself, which just kind of undercuts their creativity and, you know, their own kind of IP. But yeah, Etsy is a great way to support small businesses as well, especially if you don't have a little corner shop at the end of your street. (laughs) And little known fact, I had my own Etsy store for a while. It was called The Accidental Artist. Yeah, I sold, um, I painted on bottles and I painted handmade um, wooden bangles. But then I sold out of my inventory and I was like, this is a lot of work. And then I never did it again. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Thank you. I would love to do that. It was just hard to manage that with a full-time job as well, but it was super fun and an easy platform to use and, you know, getting those reviews and things like that always helped. So, um, that's another thing I would say that we know that everyone has different financial, you know, issues or things right now. So there's also other ways you can support, um, smaller owned business, you know, share their posts on Instagram uh, to get more of the word up. If you did happen to buy a product, write a review. Those actually matter. Um, so lots of different ways to support. Moss, that's a really great point, especially as we head into holiday season. Um, this is the time where these small businesses and makers, you know, they see a heavy influx of orders. And also, please be patient if you do order from them because it's not their fault. FedEx or USPS or UPS is slow. Um, Shipageddon is a thing. But I wanted to give a quick shout out to a girlfriend of mine who lost her job because 2020 and took that opportunity to launch her own company. Um, She makes candles. So she has beautiful, beautiful um, containers for the candles that are reusable. So they're sustainable. They're all sustainable wax. Um, I just wanted to give her a huge shout out. So it's Porter Candle Supply and Cozy Candles. You can find them on Instagram, Cozy, K-O-Z-I-E. She also has a French bulldog that is their mascot and he's super cute. So, um, you know, we love dogs. So (laughs) check that out. But with that, support small business. Um, If you're a billionaire, donate. And if you're not a billionaire, (laughs) you know, try to donate if you can. Um, But with that, Jill, will you wrap us up? Thank you. (laughs) Yes. If you would like to share any comments, questions, thoughts, or feedback, you can follow and tag us on Instagram or Facebook at We Are Overworked or at Overworked, a podcast on LinkedIn. And don't forget to subscribe to our channel to get notified when we release our newest episodes. Thanks for listening.